one of the more popular topics in movies or TV or even books is the supernatural and things like ghosts. I mean, they're, they're everywhere. This fall, we're going to have a new Ghostbusters movie. Some of us remember uh, the good ones from the 80s, the not-so-good one from a few years ago. Some of us, as we look through TV channels to try and figure out what to watch, we see all these paranormal activity-type shows where people are ghost hunters and things like that. There's Everywhere you look, there are stories about ghosts and creepy things, and you're just inundated with it culturally. Probably because there's such a mystery around, well, what happens after you die? Such a mystery and a wonder that we have that we like to fill the voids with stories or have experiences that seem to fit what we think might be what happens. So ghosts, what about them? What are ghosts and what does the Bible have to say or does it have anything to say about ghosts at all and does it matter? Well, first let's start off with a simple definition. What are we talking about when we talk about ghosts? Some of you may have even had some experiences where you would say that was a ghost type experience, something that was so different than what you know. But typically when we're talking about ghosts, the idea that comes to mind is that there is a spirit of someone who died. And if you believe the movies or the books or, or the TV shows, it's someone who died who had something that was left unfinished. And so they roam the earth until it's finished. Some of us would say that we've had experiences with family members who we loved after they died, who maybe visited us or we had an apparition of them. Some of us have been to places, maybe you've even been in the Ottawa Haunted Walk, where you've gone through the park that's considered the Park of the Dead, where they discovered bones and had ghostly apparitions over time. The idea behind a ghost is that there is someone who is dead, who has not yet gone to where they'll go forever, and are still somehow on this earth. So that's what we're talking about when we talk about ghosts. Now the question should be, what does the Bible say about ghosts? Are they even mentioned at all? And the quick answer to that is yes. Actually, if you're reading an English Bible, the word ghost will appear multiple times. So let's look at some of those passages. In the New Testament, one of the times that ghosts get mentioned is actually in reference to Jesus, and actually, Jesus uses the word that we would use for ghost as well. In Luke's gospel, after the resurrection of Jesus, so Jesus has died for the forgiveness of sins to make us whole, to give us hope and salvation. He has risen again to demonstrate his power over death, and he appears to his followers. In Luke chapter 24, at verse 37, it says, they, being the followers of Jesus, that they were startled and frightened thinking they saw a ghost. So they see Jesus, and he obviously looks like Jesus. They, they understand it's, it's someone that they know, and they think it's a ghost. So they have this idea that Jesus has died, and the only way he could be back to them is if he is a ghost. So in verse 38, it says, He said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. For Jesus and the disciples, there's understanding that ghost is not flesh and bone. 
and his followers thought that he was a ghost because what, you know, he's dead. Where, what else could it be? And he points to them saying, no, that's, that's not what this is all about. It's about resurrection. That the dead will rise, not in like some kind of fantastic horror movie where there's zombies and all kinds of stuff like that. It's that there's human resurrection. We're made whole again by the power of God in the end, which we'll talk about in a few weeks in this series, heaven, hell, and everything in between. But they use the word ghost. Now, so if we're looking at it, we would say, okay, well, obviously, you know, the followers of Jesus, people in the first century, Palestinian, Jewish people in that world, would believe in ghosts. That's, that's what it is. But it's helpful for us to look at the word that gets used and translated into ghost. The word in the New Testament that gets translated into ghost is the same one that gets translated to spirit. Again, kind of fitting with our understanding of what a ghost may or may not be. But the word is pneuma. And this word pneuma is the same word that gets used when speaking of God in three persons, the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. Some of us might come from a tradition where it says the Holy Ghost. It's that same word. It's that, this idea that there is something there that is not physical to the touch, but is spirit, spiritual. And so the early followers of Jesus used that word and had that understanding of spirit, and that in our translations, uh, it would say ghost. So does that mean that followers in the Bible, people who were living the early Christian life, uh, believed in goats? Well, maybe not the way that we seem to culturally today. There's another important story in the Old Testament, actually, that deals with an apparition, a ghost, that is incredibly important for our understanding of what we're talking about as ghosts. And that comes up in the story of King Saul. In the Old Testament, some of you may be familiar that there were a succession of kings, and the first king of Israel was Saul. And Saul started off well. He was... He was doing everything. He was following God. He was doing the right things. And then he progressively moved away from God and was doing all the wrong things. And it gets to a point in his life where there is a prophet, Samuel, who speaks to Saul and kind of corrects him to bring him back to God. But it comes to a point in life where this prophet, Samuel, is dead. And Saul goes to talk to God and God doesn't respond. So Saul decides, well, the only way I can talk to God is to talk through Samuel. So I've got to talk to the dead. So he consults a spiritist, a, a medium, someone who speaks to the dead, something that he actually outlawed throughout the land because it's something that God said, do not do it. It's wrong. So let's jump into this story in 1 Samuel verse 28. And this is what it says, starting at verse 3. It says, now Samuel was dead, as I mentioned. And all Israel had mourned him and buried him in his town of Ramah. Saul had expelled the mediums and the spiritists from the land. So he's gotten rid of everybody who talks to the dead. And we're going to get to the verse that speaks to why that is later. The Philistines assembled and came and set up camp at Shunem, while Saul gathered all Israel and set up camp at Gilboa. When Saul saw the Philistine army, he was afraid. Terror filled his heart. He inquired of the Lord, but the Lord did not answer him by dreams or Urim or prophets. So Saul's trying to talk to God, and, and God's not answering. He's using different ways. He's talking directly to God. He's using the Urim. Like if you look in the Old Testament, there's this thing called the Urim and Turim, which was a, uh, um, a, a thing, to put it lightly, uh, that the people used to communicate with God, understand what God's will might be. 
and he's consulting prophets, so other people who speak to God. But all he had before was Samuel and himself, and, and it was working, but now it's not working. God's not talking back to him. So it says, Saul then said to his attendants, find me a woman who is a medium so I may go and inquire of her. So remember, just before this, we talked about Samuel dying and Saul got rid of all the mediums, the spiritists, those people who talked to the dead. He got rid of them all. But he says, you know what? Now I'm desperate. Find me one. First thing we're going to notice is that if he got rid of all of them, how would he find one, right? Well, it didn't actually mean he got rid of them all. It's a linguistic thing that comes up in the Old Testament. Sometimes all doesn't actually mean all. Actually, most of the time, it doesn't actually mean all. It's an exaggeration to say there was a big thing that happened. So he got rid of most of them. And then it says, well, go find me one. And then it says, there's one in Endor, they said. So Saul disguised himself, putting on other clothes. And at night, he and two men and went to the women. He said, consult a spirit for me, he said, and bring up for me the one I name." So this guy who outlawed this said, this is wrong, we're not doing it, and we'll get, like I said, to the verse later where that comes up. He outlaws it, and then he goes and does it and says to this woman, just just do this for me, find this spirit. But the woman said to him, surely you know what Saul has done. She doesn't even know what Saul at this point. He has cut off the mediums and the spirit is from the land. Why have you set a trap for me to bring about my death? So, she, she knows what Saul's done. She's, she's keeping quiet. She's not doing this thing that she shouldn't have been doing, which is consulting spirits. She knows that Saul has, has killed them all. He's gotten rid of them. And she doesn't want him to die. So she's saying, why are you trying to trap me? Are you trying to convince me that, uh, you know, to do this and then they're going to catch me? You know, is it like this undercover sting you're doing? She says, no. And then it says, Saul swore to her by the Lord, as surely as the Lord lives... You will not be punished for this. So again, she doesn't know it's Saul, but he says, as surely as Lord. So he's swearing to the God who's not talking to him right now. And the woman asked, whom shall I bring up to you? Bring up Samuel, he said. Now this is where it's interesting. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out at the top of her voice and said to Saul, why have you deceived me? You are Saul. So she sees this apparition and she recognizes that it is Samuel, the prophet, and says, what are you doing? You're not only you're trying to trap me, you're the one who did the killing. You're the one who ordered this. What are you doing? The king said to her, don't be afraid. What do you see? And it says, the woman said, I see a ghostly figure coming out of the earth. I see a ghostly figure coming out of the earth. And that's a really important part. So the word, again, in our English, we say ghost or ghostly. There's something there where we're thinking, oh, it's a spirit. Spirit's coming up. It says recognizes Samuel. So there's someone contacting the dead and the dead is coming. And if we look at this, we think, okay, well, this is what we see in movies. You know, this is, this is those poltergeist movies. This is those, uh, you know, house, haunted house hunter things that we see on TV. It's all those things. But is it really? One of the things that's important about reading our Bibles is understanding the words that get used and why they get used. The word that gets used here is very specific. That's for ghostly figure. And it's a word that some of you might have heard before. And it's a word that is in Hebrew, Elohim. And Elohim, 
this is the only spot it gets really translated in that way. Sometimes it gets translated in spirit, but usually the way it gets translated is God. The medium says she sees a God coming from the ground. As the story unfolds, it seems like it's really Samuel speaking to Saul. And the ancient rabbinic tradition is that it is Samuel who actually visits Saul. But the word that gets used there, Elohim, is really critical for us to understand this. Because there's another word that gets used for spirit or ghost that typically means spirit or ghost. Elohim doesn't mean ghost. And that word actually comes up where it be, where it's said to be prohibited to speak to the dead. And it's a passage in Deuteronomy. As some of us are familiar, Deuteronomy is God's instruction to people given to Moses and Moses sharing it with the people as to what they're supposed to do as followers of God. They have this covenant, this agreement between God and them about what they are to do to be, to demonstrate that they're followers. And Deuteronomy 18 verses 10 to 12 says this. It says, no, let no one be found among you who sacrifices their son or daughter in the fire. So we're, we're okay with this, right? We know this. Like, yeah, that's, that's bad. There was a God named Molech who they would, people would do this to. It was absolutely horrible. So he says, don't be like them. Don't sacrifice your children. It says, let no one again who practices divination or sorcery interprets omens, engages in witchcraft or casts spells, or who is a medium or spiritist or who consults the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. Because of these same detestable practices, the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you. So God is against this, consulting the dead, witchcraft, this thing. God, this is not the way of God is what God is trying to show the people. This is not the way you do things. And the words that get used for spiritist is a similar word that gets used for uh, familiar spirit, sometimes it's translated as, and it's yidioni or yidioni. And this is the word that gets translated to ghost, someone who consults ghosts, someone who is a ghost. In the story of Samuel appearing to Saul, this is not the word that gets used. The word that gets used is Elohim, which means a God. There's something else happening here other than what we think of when it comes to ghosts. The words that get used throughout the Old Testament and New Testament to describe ghosts are not compatible with our understanding culturally in the movies, in television, in wherever we read about it when it comes to ghosts. The idea of a ghost as a spirit who is you know, distressed is there's not finding rest, has something to finish, is not compatible with the story of Scripture. In fact, the story of Scripture points to what, what Paul, the Apostle Paul will say in 2 Corinthians when he says, you know, it's better for me to be away from the body because I will be with the Lord. There's something about when you die, you are where you're supposed to be in the end. And we don't fully understand what that looks like. And again, we're going to talk about that more in the weeks to come. But there's no indication that there's a spiritual unrest, like you've got to work things out on the earth. That's not compatible with the story of Scripture. So what is it that's happening with these apparitions, with these ghosts, with these spirits? Well, the same word that gets used for spirit, pneuma, in the New Testament, uh, is the word ruach in the Old Testament. Uh, it means not, you know, it means spirit. It means something that's not physically bodied. 
And so when we translate it as ghost, it doesn't mean ghost necessarily like what we understand it, but it actually means what God is, what we actually internally in some sense are. But that spirit, that ruach, that pneuma, does not just go to wander the earth when we're dead. It goes to be where it belongs for eternity. And so this idea, again, of ghosts like we understand them is not compatible with the story of Scripture. So what is it that we're seeing? What could it be? There are a lot of different ideas as to what it might mean. Some who follow Jesus would say, like, yeah, it's, you know, it is ghosts. It's what we see on TV. It's all the same. But Scripture seems to point to something different. In fact, what Scripture seems to point to is that there are spiritual things happening that aren't you know, Casper the friendly ghost. In fact, they're very, very much not that. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians 6 verse 12 says that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. While we think of ghosts being those friendly things, Paul says there is a spiritual thing at work, and it's not the friendly ghost who's trying to say goodbye to his loved ones. It's something evil, something menacing, and it's something not to engage with. As God told the people long ago, do not consult mediums, do not seek out spiritists, don't use Ouija boards, basically, because you're opening up a doorway to something that is not good. It's not a family member. It's not someone who you miss and you want to see again. Those people have gone to be with God. And where they are with God is safe and it is good. But if it is here and it is spiritual, it's not the friendly ghost we see in the movies. It is the something much more dangerous and menacing than we can understand. The word that gets typically used is demons. And it's not something I would toss around lightly as a word. I have had some experiences with things, and I've shared those before, that you can't explain it other than saying it's evil spirits. The idea of ghosts being what we think of as ghosts is not compatible with the story of Scripture. I won't pretend to be an expert on this. I, you know, I did not a paranormal investigator. I didn't get my PhD in, in paranormal phenomena that some people can find on the internet. But it doesn't seem to make sense with the story that God is telling us. And the story that God is telling us is that when we come to Christ, we enter into a new life. And in that new life, when we experience the physical death, there's a spiritual life and resurrection we hope for. And we go to be with him when we die. To live in unrest is not the way of God. The story of the Bible and the idea of ghosts probably isn't as compatible as you want it to be. And it might be hard for us to understand that, but if anything, I hope it brings you hope to understand that you won't roam the earth trying to undo the things you did or try to make right the things you wronged or say goodbye you'll go to be with God when you put your faith in Christ. That is the hope that we have, and that's the hope we can hold to. So does the Bible talk about ghosts? Yes and no. One of the ongoing jokes that the staff and I have at Bromley is that sometimes when we're working in the evening, and especially in the wintertime in the sanctuary, you hear all kinds of strange noises, and we say, oh, it's the Bromley ghost. Truthfully, there is no ghost in Bromley. I can guarantee you there is no ghost. And there's nothing worse than a ghost either, like a demon or some kind of weird spirit. And I know that to be a fact. 
the Bible teaches us that when we die, we go to the place where God has for us, wherever that may be. And that people don't roam the earth looking to make right their wrongs or connect with loved ones. They go to be where God has for them. So there are no ghosts in Bromley. But there are other spiritual realities at work. As I mentioned what Paul says in Ephesians, that there are powers and principalities of darkness at work. But we don't need to be afraid of them. In fact, we have no reason to be afraid of them. Because these same powers and principalities actually have no power over us when we are in Christ. Paul wrote to the church in Colossae, and he wrote this in Colossians chapter 2. He says, When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of legal of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. Because of Jesus, when you find yourself in Christ, when you recognize Jesus as Lord and submit to that, give yourself over to that, you're found in him and you are forgiven. Any wrong that you've done that is contrary to what God has for you is wiped out. He has paid that price. And you don't have to worry about it anymore. He continues, says, And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Not only has the work of Jesus on the cross given us forgiveness, it has defeated the enemy. It has defeated those spiritual forces that long to bring you away from God. It has defeated evil. Jesus wins. And because Jesus wins and we are in Christ, we have no reason to be afraid of those spiritual things that are not good in this world. So what does the Bible say about ghosts? Well, it doesn't talk about ghosts in the way that we talk about ghosts in our movies or in our culture. They aren't roaming spirits trying to make right their wrongs or get vengeance or anything like that. But there are evil spirits that exist. And we have no reason to be afraid of these evil spirits when we are in Christ, because he defeats them. Not us, he does. And any spirit that is not God is not something we should be engaging in. It is not a good decision for us. It is not wise for us to try and consult with mediums or witchcraft, Ouija boards, or even horoscopes that are contrary to the design that God has for us and invites us to experience life in its fullness in. Ghosts aren't good. There are no Caspers. They're all something other than God, and they're not something that we should be spending our time with. My prayer for you is that as we explore this topic of ghosts, maybe it opens your ideas to what is it that you are thinking of when you think of ghosts. Maybe you need to be challenged in thinking like that maybe it is not something good, but actually any spirit that's not God is quite nefarious and not something you should be spending time with. My prayer for you and my prayer for me is that we focus on the God who beat those powers, those authorities in Christ. And that in Christ, when we are attentive to the spirit of God, our life will begin in all of its fullness, new every day.
Let's pray. God, you are the God who sent Jesus to this world, who sent yourself to this world in flesh, in Jesus, to make a way where there was a block for us. You broke barriers, spiritual barriers between us and you through yourself in Christ on the cross. And because of that, we are forgiven and we thank you, Lord. But also because of that, you defeated any evil, any powers, any authorities that were existing in this world and allowing to be, and that you allowed to exist and conquered them so that we do not need to be afraid but we can step into that life in all of its fullness that you invite us to. Thank you for that, Jesus. And I pray that by the Holy Spirit, we are open to that every day and not spending our time consulting things that are not of you. God, it is only you we should be consulting because you are God and nothing else is. Help us to focus on you, Holy Spirit and not the other spirits that we hear about in movies or TV shows, or even sometimes we think we are experiencing. Help us to recognize for what they really are, that they are not of you. And anything not of you is not worth our time. And I just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.